Hello and welcome to Film Inquiries, the latest. This is a podcast series tackling the latest movie news, movie trends, and movie releases. This week, we are revving our engines to discuss the Fast and the Furious franchise. Last week marked the 20th anniversary of the series' first film back in 2001, and this past weekend, the ninth, although really 10th entry in this franchise hit theaters, and because this is a franchise that is not just about cars, but about family, I've united the the Film Inquiry family here on this podcast, so welcome uh, Emily Wheeler and Christy Strauss. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, the same. So, Thanks for having me again and on to talk about Fast and Furious. Yes. Yeah. So first, can I get uh, a little insight into both of you have uh, a long career as underground street racers. Do you do you want to divulge into any of that a uh, long experience? What your favorite, uh, you know, tools to use when working on your cars, favorite, you know, exhausts to put in and help you go fast? <laughs> Well, considering my first car was a four-cylinder Chevy Cavalier, I am obviously a car head. Um, and I've only had one car <laughs> since then, which was a very simple Hyundai Elantra. So uh, I actually know nothing about cars, and that is not the appeal of the series to me. Yeah, I don't know anything about cars. <laughs> that makes three of us. So for all the gearheads out there, I'm sorry that sorry. we might get some, some terminology wrong here. Maybe get the names of a few cars wrong. But uh, I first want to ask you guys, like, what do you think has made this franchise so successful for so long? Because I think, you know, if you go back and look at some of the early movies, they are, you know, ob- objectively th- like they are they are B movies. I think they are they are built as sort of like, uh, you know, products to sort of fill in a studio's portfolio. I don't think anyone back in 2001 would have thought that the fast and the first Fast and Furious movie would have kickstarted this giant international blockbuster franchise that um, I read several p- places this last weekend is the seventh highest grossing movie franchise of all time. So um, I'm curious, uh, Emily, we'll first go to you since you've rewatched a bunch of these movies, and then Christy, feel free to chime in. Like, what what do you guys think is kind of the the key to what has made this series last for so long? Well, um, what I discovered as I watched them all through, because I it actually, I recently wasn't just rewatching them, I was actually watching most of them for the first time, because I had initially, and for a long time, thought, just kind of written them off as silly movies that were not for me. And when I finally gave them a chance, what I realized is that these movies are full on camp. Like they do not take themselves seriously. They are eventually poking fun at themselves intentionally. Um, And I think that is a very charming angle that we really do not get at uh, this level. Generally, generally you get camp at very, in very small movies. These are huge camp movies. And I think the novelty of that, along with the fact that uh, this is a, generally very diverse casts and that allows it to sell well across the entire world i think that combination makes it kind of unique and for some reason it caught fire and it has taken off yeah i think emily pretty much nails it i think the diversity and also it definitely is camp and also emily wrote a great article about how much this is camp in case anyone wants to check that out um but i think that that's a big part of it it really doesn't take itself seriously and it's it just has a lot of fun so it's easy for audiences to have a lot of fun with it It doesn't really require much from you 
Yeah, and I think we we definitely can't you know understate that that diversity angle as well. I mean that that is one of the things I remember hearing about this franchise and noticing about it going back to the early 2000s is you know reading people like Wesley Morris two-time Pulitzer Prize winning critic you know pointing out that like this being a series where you have all of these different ethnicities of people who are all just kind of united around the love of cars and it is not sort of like self-consciously um bringing attention to that but it's just sort of like this rainbow of of people and no other movie franchise has quite been like that and i think you have to think about you know so many underserved markets of people who don't get to see themselves in kind of big flashy blockbusters and that's obviously a huge part to kind of the what i think carried through for this franchise for so long um let's rewind the clock a little bit let's go back to 2001 um you know jay-z was putting out the blueprint there was a third jurassic park movie um you know i'm trying to think gladiator i guess won best picture at that year's oscars um and we had our first ever fast and furious movie i'm i'm going to drop a take right here that might be a little sacrilegious to this episode but i don't think the first fast and furious movie is that great i you, you know for for all you know, intensive purposes, it's pretty much a a ripoff of the movie Point Break. I mean, essentially, instead of surfers as the subculture, the police officer is going undercover in it's underground street racing in L.A. Paul Walker is standing in for the Keanu Reeves role, Vin Diesel for the Patrick Swayze role. I would say, unlike Point Break, which weirdly enough was on TV this morning as I was kind of making my coffee, so I got to sort of like prep a little bit for this take. But I think that is a movie that is also like very goofy and has some, you know, maybe not that great performances in it, but has this electricity and this kinetic filmmaking to it that I don't know is quite there in the first Fast and Furious movie. Although I think the one thing that they definitely landed on with that first one is getting this cast of very likable, likable, very magnetic movie stars who you kind of just want to hang out with. And I think while the first movie is it's it it feels a little like lukewarm considering some of the heights the series would go to now and you know it it also is kind of difficult for me to sort of like separate it from being kind of a knockoff of this other movie i like more but i do think that central cast is kind of like the core piece of that first movie that if you had had a different collection of people i don't know that we'd be talking about like now the 10th movie in this franchise. I don't know. What, what do you both kind of think about the first fast and furious movie? Has it Emily? I know you probably saw it recently. Christy, when is probably the last time you've seen it? Well, I can't believe it's been 20 years. I saw this originally in theaters, um, which is just so, you know, I'm aging myself, but I was a teenager and everybody thought it was so cool. It was just like the epitome of cool at the time. But yeah, I, I love point break and I can see the similarities. I feel like the first movie is not, no, it's not very good. Um, maybe it would have been better if Paul Walker shot his gun into the air when he let Vin Diesel go. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's I I recently you know rewatched um, kind of you know for this and there's just so many uh, there's so many lines in that movie are just so bad. <laughs> like, 
so it's like hilarious when it, I don't know if it's really should be, but it, it does nail the cast. And I think something that this franchise has done is just continuously, obviously grow that cast, but they started with this initial group and they just all clicked and they went really well together. And I think that that's a huge part of why it's been able to be successful. Um, but yeah, like when I was a teenage, Christy was, was thought this movie was pretty rad. So <laughs> I think that everybody did. Um, it like made liking cars cool. And I still didn't know anything about cars, but I could pretend. What was it like seeing some of that early 2000s fashion again? Cause the last time I, I saw this, I was just like, what an incredible time capsule. This, uh, this was this of a very strange period in pop culture. It's very weird. <laughs> it's like, Oh no, <laughs> we did that. <laughs> And kind of notorious now, it also is, dates itself by the fact that they're stealing DVD players. That's their yeah. price. They're going <laughs> I know. I, know. I was laughing so, pretty hard at that. It is so funny to think that like this is a series now where like every installment they're having to get some sort of like MacGuffin that like the, the state of the world is in jeopardy and like the most extreme thing in the first movie is like they're stealing like DVD players off of semi trucks. <laughs> hey, that was just, a big it, deal. <laughs> DVD players, hot hot commodity in the year 2001. I know, Emily, what are your, some of your thoughts about the first movie now, 20 years later? I mean, you're correct. The first time I saw this was actually this year. So it was 20 years later. And it was very much like going back and watching a time capsule. All because of, you know, terminology that they use that you may not be using today. You cannot <laughs> get a, certainly get away with a few insults that they throw around in that movie today. Um the stealing the DVD players, the fashion, just everything. But but even in the filmmaking style that they use, I mean, back in those early movies, including, I believe, in the first movie, you get these shots like going into the engine, which was a thing that I think filmmaking did across the board, much more those kinds of shots of into computers and into whatever, much more around that time period than you get people doing it now. So Honestly, watching it now as a brand new thing, it was really charming. Despite all of the kind of oddities and the strangeness and the fact that you are correct, it's not a very good movie. I think it's actually made better by watching it so much later as a time capsule. Interesting. So I think we can move on from the first movie. Afterwards, we get Too Fast, Too Furious. I think the best title in the entire series, just like one of the the great, like, I'm I'm just imagining the like, bong hit boardroom of someone coming up with that uh followed by tokyo drift and the uh i call the the absent fast and furious movie the fourth film which is just titled fast and furious um i'm interested to get you guys' thoughts on some of these because i think depending on who you are different people respond to different ones of these movies um I'm personally not a huge fan of Too Fast, Too Furious, although revisiting it, I found it a little bit more interesting than I probably did the first time I saw it, probably when I was a teenager, um, notably directed by the late John Singleton. And I think even if you just compare it to the first movie, I think John Singleton is making a lot of like very extreme uh visual choices in this movie the kind of like into the car engine stuff that you mentioned is like a little bit in the first movie he's like can i run with that and like up it by <laughs> like 11 of he's doing all these crazy like panic room style like weird david fincher in and out of like exhaust fumes and like flipping the camera it's got this really like bright candy colored 
goofiness to it, which I feel like was kind of a crutch for it at the time, but now is maybe a little bit more in keeping with the the style and tone of the franchise where it is now. Um, also notable of like Vin Diesel is not in this movie, although it introduces Ludacris and Tyree skips into the franchise. Um, like I said, I'm not a huge fan of it. I think my one kind of big complaint with it is it kind of feels like a two hour pilot for uh, like network TV series, but I, I sort of admire all the sort of like big, crazy choices that it's making. Um, Tokyo Drift, on the other hand, is the one I think is kind of like the underrated one in the franchise. Um, I get the complaints people have about it, particularly Lucas Black, who's the the lead of it, because there's no Paul Walker and only one Vin Diesel scene. He he does not forget even acting talent. I just do not think has that kind of like movie star magnetism that even someone like Paul Walker has. But I think what you get with this movie, which notably is the first one directed by Justin Lin, who would go on to direct a majority of the films in this franchise it's the one that for me makes the the sort of car subculture click in a really interesting way and i think outside of its its sort of leading hero has a very fun colorful cast of characters it makes this franchise much more international and I don't know. I just find the the street racing stuff, which kind of isn't that interesting to me in the first two movies, is actually like way more engaging to watch in this one because it's not just CGR cars going in one direction. Um, you know, they're making turns. It's practical cars a lot of the time. And the fourth movie, before I toss it over to you guys, I think is notable because it it is sort of the comeback movie in the franchise. It it, it is br- like let's let's bring back all the original cast. Let's bring back Vin Diesel. Let's bring back Paul Walker. Let's bring back uh, Michelle Rodriguez and Jordana Brewster. I think it's probably my least favorite in the series, if only because it's the one that is taking itself the most seriously. It is sort of the the darkest and the most brooding out of all of these movies, which I don't think is necessarily the most effective tone for these kinds of movies. And even rewatching it, I was sort of expecting to have a little bit of like, maybe this will be like when I rewatched too fast, too furious. And like, maybe if I don't totally enjoy it, I'll, I'll see some kind of like cool choices. And I kind of just found the fourth movie to be a bit of a slog revisiting it. And I think, um, you know, this sort of spectrum of tone in the franchise, I think will be something really important as we get into some of the later movies, but the fast and furious is the the furthest, I think in one direction of this franchise, taking itself the most seriously and being like very dark and almost like the tone of something like heat, for example, um, Emily and then Kirsty or Emily and then Christy, <laughs> sorry, my <laughs> just like verbal diarrhea mouth. Um, but for both of you guys, what what do you think about the sort of like 2000s run of these movies, which I, I, I feel like kind of get a bit of a negative rap? Are there any of these where you think are a bit underrated or have some kind of like interesting stylistic quirks to them? Jesse, I'm just going to immediately forgive you for uh, any slip ups. And I hope everyone forgives us for any slip ups, because clearly we've been watching a lot of Fast and Furious movies and that kills your brain cells. We're going so. fast and furious on this podcast. We're just making that really clear right now. Quarter mile at a time. Um, in terms of these three chunks of movies, I mean, I have to agree with you to, with Too Fast, Too Furious. It is the movie that I forget the most. Really, mm-hmm. the only thing I remember of it is kind of the candy colors that you're talking about. 
I think there was a very strong style John Singleton was trying to bring to it, and I don't particularly like it, actually. <laughs> it's very memorable, but I don't think it works. And I just mm. it, it, and you're kind of absolutely kind of hit the nail on the head, I think, with it feeling like a TV show pilot. It, it felt like something that you would see on TV. Mm-hmm. But, however, I do love the addition of Roman. And I do think he was really funny in that. I do think they really hit on that character well right off the bat. Um, and I am forever fascinated with how Tej became who he became in this series based on his introduction here. Because it introduced, introduced in Too Fast and Too Furious as basically like a mechanic who organizes the races. And by the end of this series, he's somehow like a master computer guy. And they never yeah, exactly. explain how that jump happens. <laughs> but I, so I kind of have like, I have a soft spot for Too Fast, Too Furious because it is so out there on its own and it is kind of fun and light and it doesn't make any sense. And there's a part of me, I think because I'm appealed, I, I'm appealing so much to the camp aspect of this series that I like the fact that it just had no clue what it was doing. And it was just like all style and nothing else in this movie. So yeah, I, I would probably say Too Fast, Too Furious is probably the worst of it just because I don't remember it, but I still have a soft spot for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, going on to Tokyo Drift, uh yeah sean boswell was just terrible casting in addition to just having zero persona on screen he's just way too old to play a teenager even at that time pretty Um, i don't want to spoil too much but he does pop up in this new one and i had to like do like a double take of of how um you know he 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 really really has has like triple age since Aww, even this poor movie Lucas where Black. He... <laughs> and, and the best thing, because they changed the timeline of these movies to shift around Tokyo Drift, because they wanted Han to stay in for longer and longer. Which Tokyo I Drift will say, supposed... <laughs> the best character in the entire series. I have to throw that out there. I will get you guys' favorite characters in this franchise, but I'm staking my my flag in the sand that Han... That That is the biggest reason for my sort of like forgiveness of all of Tokyo Drift's faults is um it's just for the character of han just like one of the the coolest people i've ever seen in a movie and i think a lot of people feel that way and that's why they kept writing him into movies and pushing back essentially where tokyo drift happened in the series so tokyo drift is supposed to occur between sixth and seventh movie so in the timeline of the series i don't think much time is supposed to have passed between tokyo drift and this movie so when (laughs) sean boswell comes back and looks like 30 years older you're like what has happened here? He's had a tough time. <laughs> <laughs> That's a sidetrack. Sorry. So about Tokyo Drift, I also like the I, I like that this is such a change of pace from the rest of the movie. I love the drifting. I love the way Justin Lin shot the drifting. I do think that is kind of the best of just the straightforward kind of uh, racing sequences before you get into just throwing in all sorts of crazy things that are not even really races. They're more just action set pieces that have to happen to have cars. As a racing thing, the drifting is the best part that the series has done. Other than that, the story is so basic in Tokyo Drift, I got pretty bored. Um, I'm going to break your heart a little bit and say, I like Han. I don't get why people love him. I find him a little flat of a character. Um, just because, not not because of the performance. I think the performance is good. I just think he rarely gets much to do. In most it's of the okay. movies, he's we very don't much like a side snacks. character. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I stood up for Roman, and Roman's big thing coming in in Too Fast and Too Furious is snacks. So it is not that the snacks. That is true. 
was also not expecting that to come back in the new one just roman's roman's hunger at 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 every moment uh you know you got to keep the snacks going it is at this point an in joke within the series and at this and by fast and by f9 it is all just kidding on the in jokes so then you get to Fast and Furious, the fourth movie, and I actually, very oddly, I think, from what I can gather of what people think of this series, have a big soft spot for Fast and Furious. Okay. You said, Jesse, that it is be- you do not like it because of its very serious tone. I love it because of its very serious tone. It is completely oblivious to how ridiculous it is. <laughs> And that is pure camp. Like, it is just like everything about Fast and Furious is pure camp. And it doesn't realize it. This is the transition point in the series. I think most people recognize it as the transition point in the series. You start to get elements of where they are not regular humans anymore. I think this is the movie where Vin Diesel gets, like, shot and he just kind of stands back up and finishes his fight. And you're like, wait, that should at least, like, take him out a little bit. So you're, you're starting to make that transition into these are not just racing movies. You're getting into them doing really big set pieces. You're getting into them. But it hasn't transitioned into realizing how ridiculous these movies are. Once you get past, once you get to the fifth movie, it starts realizing that people are kind of laughing at it and starts playing into it and getting them to laugh with them. In Fast and Furious, there's just zero, it has zero clue how ridiculous it is. And I love that about it. And it has, I I think... The best way I can I can summarize what I mean by this is that there is probably my best and favorite line in the entire series is in this movie, which is when Gal Gadot's character is flirting with Vin Diesel, and the entire movie, there's supposed to be this romance between the two of them, and they never have any chemistry whatsoever, and it never works. So uh, Gal Gadot is, like, says something to Vin Diesel where she's like, oh, I thought you were just a car guy and weren't interested in women. And Dom's comeback is... Um, what is it? It is, uh, I'm one of those boys that appreciates a fine body regardless of the make. Which to me, <laughs> which they are so oblivious of the meaning of that line that they don't realize that they've just made him pansexual and potentially really into cars. And just, so like, the complete oblivious of this movie is kind of surmised, I think, in that line. And that is exactly why I love this movie so much. Yeah, Christy's um, gonna come in and be like, "You're both wrong." Too fast, too furious is an American masterpiece and the best movie of the 21st century. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> I'm not gonna say that. Um, two, three, and four are all like definitely like transition. It's it it definitely is like a transition period. I feel like they don't know what they were doing and they were trying out different things. And so, in a lot of ways, the the second and third one are are both just kind of boring to me as far as the stories go. Um, the second one, I'm you know I'm glad for Roman and Tej. I like their being introduced into the franchise, just like um, Han in the third one. I think those are all like very important, and I'm glad that they continue on. Um, but the stories are just not very good. And uh, Cole Hauser in the second one as the villain is oh he's just <laughs> um. Yeah, it's I, just... I don't know what's going on at that performance. <laughs> Having watched that a couple nights ago, I gotta be honest. Yeah, uh, camp for sure. Um, it's just, it's not, it's just not very good. And I also don't, you know, the, the colors, and I don't like some of the stylistic choices with the second. Um, with the third one, I do like that it's a different place. I, I don't, I feel like we've like been mean enough to Luke Black, but he really is not a good casting choice there. It's, it's hard to like 
care about his part in the story. Um, you're more interested in the racing and and the and the drifting and all of that is is done really well. But it's just kind of both of those are just kind of hollow in a lot of ways. There really isn't much to them. Um, so the fourth one, um, it is very broody. Oh, and I also want to say you describing the second one like a, a pilot for a TV is like the best, I think, best way I've ever heard that described. <laughs> so I just have to go back to that real quick. But yeah, the fourth one is is so broody and so serious. Like, obviously, you know, spoiler, if I don't know why you'd be listening if you hadn't seen any of these, but Letty is not dead. Um but that what? when I saw <laughs> when I saw that the first time, I just thought that was such a strange decision, and it happened so fast. And then like, um, it, it it was basically like the catalyst for everything, and it just seemed like it was taking itself so so serious. And all of a sudden, it was like this drama, and it was like this revenge story, and it was just, um, and that's wonderful in the sense of like what Emily said. But at the same time, it, it's just it's weird. It's kind of tonally like what's going on. And I obviously I love the, you know, Vin Diesel and Paul Walker coming back together. I think everybody was like happy about that because I do think that their pairing uh, in a lot of ways in these movies is um, something that really stands out as well. But uh, yeah, otherwise, plus like the the villains, I feel like there's just not very good villains a lot of times in the beginning of these movies, too. No, I can I can truthfully only think of one character that I would guess, uh, I, I guess two if we kind of ca- i mean the rock is sort of the antagonist of the fifth movie but i guess other than jason statham in the the seventh movie i i would agree with your assessment that the this this series has kind of a big villain problem that uh yeah i don't know is totally may, maybe maybe emily will have a differing opinion but i don't know is totally solved in this new one <laughs> Oh no, I haven't seen it, but <laughs> sounds like it isn't. Uh, no, Statham, I think, is still like the best uh, adversary that they have in the films, but so obviously he's not anymore. Oops, another spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so see if you guys agree. I think five through seven, I think, is kind of the peak run of this franchise. I think that's the run of movies where. I feel like this series kind of perfectly calibrates the right tone and understands that it can have these sort of big over the top kind of hilarious action sequences, but also is approaching the characters at its center with this like very earnest sincerity. Um, Five in particular, I think is, is kind of my personal favorite of the series. And I think the other stroke of, genius with that movie is saying hey let's make this a heist franchise and we'll just cherry pick kind of the best characters from the first four movies and kind of have them all together on a team doing missions um and that all sort of crystallizes i think with the seventh movie which paul walker tragically died in the middle of that movie's production and that movie ends with this very emotional um montage slash tribute to paul walker at the end of the movie and kind of giving his character a a literal ride out into the sunset that paul walker didn't get in real life and i think it's sort of a testament to like those three movies working that you get this like very like i'm saying this in like a a positive way like very tear jerky ending in 
the end of a movie that has like cars falling out of airplanes and like jumping through skyscrapers and is like very over the top and silly. But when that kind of very serious, very like achingly sincere and mournful ending comes, which I, I just remember, I don't know if you got like Emily, it sounds like I don't think you saw this in a theater, but I remember like in the theater during that seventh one, like pe- people were bawling their eyes out at the end of that, which which I thought was just so fascinating that that was able to work tonally in this movie that people were kind of like cheering and laughing and and sort of like embracing the goofiness of it um would you guys kind of agree with me that five six and seven is kind of the the peak of this franchise at least for right now yeah absolutely for right now when we're talking about 14 15 and 16 and (laughs) right (laughs) before before the second peak in in another five years (laughs) yeah and i cried when i saw that in theaters just i was one of those people (laughs) because the ending was really sad and you know it's just tragic but yeah i i agree the fifth one is is my favorite as well i just i love the whole heist element and i love you know picking the group and i think it's I think it's just the beginning of when it's really, I think if the movies before is like the testing ground and trying to figure out what it wants to be, the mm-hmm. fifth one is where it's like decided it goes for it and it executes it. I don't know if Emily, that's your favorite, but. <laughs> I like, I do like five and obviously I would throw in with the peak four. I think four is in the peak as well. You know? Um, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I actually am not as big of a fan as five. I think I think five is kind of the consensus of the best movie of the series. If you were to ask that, a large group of people, yeah, that that's, seems to be the case from like random ranking lists that I've read and seen yeah. in the last like week or so. Yeah, I've got Fast Five is kind of like I have maybe my top two, and it would be maybe three or four, okay. just because. I feel like the preparation for the heist is not its best moment. Like, I, I I don't know. I felt like it dragged in there. I was like, this isn't the best use of Fast and Furious time here. This is weird. So it just didn't, that particular aspect did not necessarily click for me as I think other people do. Once it gets back to the action stuff, that's great. But they spend way too much time, like, testing a car. <laughs> and I was like, okay, let's move <laughs> it on here. This, this is not what I'm here for. Uh, but other than that, I do really like Fast Five. Um... I like the way it opens up. It opens up with that like bus break out of Dom. And I think that's a great little scene. I think there's a lot of great scenes with the bank vault and like, obviously you have these moments, but it just wasn't overall the best for me. And again, it's a movie with Gal Gadot's character. And I just, if we're being honest, I don't think Gal Gadot's a good actress, period. And I think she's really uh, bad I would in second these. That. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. she just never has chemistry with anyone. In this one, they try to pair her with Han, I think, is when they start pairing her with Han. That never takes off for me because she just has no chemistry with anyone. So that, again, kind of drags it down a notch for me. Um, but then you get to uh, six, and I think we get back up. It kind of comes back up for me for six and seven that I think are very good. Yeah, I have the other kind of elephant in the room with these movies. I want to ask you guys about The Rock in this series, who gets introduced (laughs) in five. And in talking with people who are bigger fans of this franchise than I am, The Rock's placement in this series is, I think, a very controversial point for a lot of Fast and Furious fans. But particularly because of, I think, of how The Rock's movie star persona, I think, has evolved over the years. Um, It's kind of interesting to me if you go back to Fast Five, 
he's taking it very, very seriously. I mean, he he is positioned in that movie like Tommy Lee Jones in The Fugitive. He's the <laughs> the the sort of no BS lawman that is trying to bring this team down. And over the years, as The Rock's movie star persona has become more refined, and I think he's sort of embraced this kind of like winking disassociation with the material of sort of like he he is almost signaling to the audience i know i'm in a movie i know this is ridiculous don't i look ridiculous i have these like four foot tall like biceps cup pumping out of my shirt and obviously there's the kind of fun tabloid feud between him and Vin Diesel in these movies <laughs> and how the rock now it seems has kind of been sort of shepherd off to his own sort of side series within the fast and furious franchise. I don't, I'm, I'm just fascinated to get you guys' opinions. Do, do you like him in these movies? Do you think his sort of winking uh, sort of, self-knowing tone that he brings to the series works because it's obviously like in total opposition to diesel who i think in particular with eight and nine like diesel thinks he's in like king lear and is like taking (laughs) diesel diesel is taking this stuff so incredibly seriously and i i don't know just the the sort of I, if, if there is any truth to their sort of feud with each other, I have to imagine it, it comes down to sort of these tonally different approaches to the material. I mean, I'll, well, I'll go first. Um, I, what fascinated me when I was running through all these pretty much back to back is that Dwayne Johnson is playing a totally different character in Fast Five than he is in the rest of the series. He's yes. by name playing the same character, but it is a totally different character. <laughs> and given what we know now of like in the past few days, um, the, that interview with Vin Diesel coming out where he was saying he was really pushing uh, Johnson <laughs> in that first movie. And I was like, did he push him in the totally wrong direction? What, which direction was he pushing him in? Because if it was towards the performance that he gave in Fast Five, that's the wrong direction. I really like how what Hobbs became and when it became a much more self-aware winking thing. I don't think he works too well in five. And again, why I don't particularly, five is a little bit lesser for me. He would play into that as well. I think he's too serious. And I do think it kind of, to your question of does Hobbs as a character work in the series, it's basically a question of, are you charmed by what Dwayne Johnson does? Because he has a very narrow range and he does it very well. And he does it in pretty much every movie he's in now that he's become mm-hmm. successful. I think the best movies he's in is uh, the Jumanji movies, which is totally mm-hmm. just him mm-hmm. winking about his yes. persona. And once he starts actually basically doing that same kind of winking in the series, I really enjoy Hobbs. I think he's a goofy, silly character. And it sort of sets up... Um, my idea when I'm talking about camp in these series is that the camp is really taking down kind of how you perform masculinity. And that's really where the camp comes into play in these. And so him coming in and playing this very campy take on his own masculinity and the way he performs it perfectly fits into what the series is doing. Yeah, I think you just put it perfectly. And I think it's, you know, Dwayne Johnson doing what he does. Um, and it is a very weird tonal shift from five on because he he really does take himself so seriously and you know it's it's strange um but i do and it's it's also really funny because they're obviously like the 
well before this new movie with Cena, but the you know most masculine men in the movies. Um, for so for it to be like King Lear versus the Winking, <laughs> um, it's it's kind of a funny comparison. But and I do also agree, Jumanji is my is my favorite uh, that he's in. But I mean overall, I mean I can have fun with his character, and I do think he works. But I mean I'm not like a huge um fan of the franchise like as you know and or necessarily Dwayne Johnson sorry um, <laughs> but I I think he you know I do think it's it I think everybody in a lot of ways except for maybe Vin Diesel you know just kind of embrace that and, and have fun as this as this series goes on like more and more and open up to that and so I mean I appreciate the winking <laughs> element of his performance so let's talk about a little bit the the movies that have come after seven because seven is also if we're talking about transitional points this other trans like significant transition point for a multitude of different reasons i mean it's the first one in a while without james wan or without justin lynn it has james wan who i think is a really talented director um and like i said i i really like seven um it's also the first of these movies that breaks a billion dollars at the box office which makes this a much bigger much more international series and now having to deal with the um you know the the list of checklists that that come with being a billion dollar blockbuster franchise um and i'm really fascinated to get you guys's opinions on fate of the furious the eighth entry and hobbs and shaw which is the the dwayne johnson Jason Statham spinoff movie. I would not say I'm huge fans of either of these. In fact, it was interesting rewatching Fate of the Furious. I kind of actively disliked it. I actually think it's one of the my least favorite in the series, if only because I think it gets a little bit of the cast chemistry wrong. It it is it is sort of like you know, if, if we think back to kind of like the idea in five of we're going to like cherry pick all these different characters and put them on a team together, you get this this family of people who kind of all kind of bounce each off each other well and kind of like, you know, as far as cast chemistry sort of makes sense together and are all kind of on the same wavelength and due to characters passing away in this series whether you know in the confines of the story like han or in real life such as paul walker no longer being able to be with these movies because he's no longer with us in fate of the furious there kind of has to be a little bit of a reshuffling of the deck there's the bizarre decision to make vin diesel kind of like one of the antagonists of the series and make a large part of it as well as kind of this new movie like about like Dawn's inner turmoil and stuff, which is a a, a bit of a strange direction of a bit of a like strange miscalculation of, I think what everyone else, but Vin Diesel wants out of these movies. But to me, the, the sort of big problem that I couldn't quite put my finger on when I first saw it in theaters, but was like really clear to me when I rewatched fate of the furious was this new grouping of people now with sort of the rock as more of the team leader, as well as we're bringing Statham from villain status to team player. And we have human log Scott Eastwood in the mix. Like, uh, <laughs> like none of these people are really like gelling together and as big and over the top as this, this, this is the one, this is a long winded way of getting to eight is the one where 
I'm fine with this series jumping the shark in terms of like physics, but this is the one where it jumps the shark in terms of like, I have no idea why anyone would be with any of these people and like why, you know, different characters are like making the decisions they're 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 making um also if you're gonna have charlize Theron in your movie like maybe don't confine her to one set for two hours <laughs> um i rest my case i look forward to talking about uh you I, I, I talking about hobbs and shaw which i think is if the fourth fast and furious movie is the one that maybe pushes the most towards utter self-seriousness hobbs and shaw is kind of trying to be a comedy and I think even though it's a pretty entertaining movie, um, maybe some of my problem with it is realizing that the the dynamic comedic energy of Dwayne Johnson and Jason Statham is really fun for about five minutes. And then when you drag it out to two hours, 15 minutes, it's a little bit like, I guess there's not as much diversity in terms of joke telling that we can do with these two <laughs> like giant men than just have them make fun of how bald and quote-unquote ugly they think the other one is um emily Christie, are 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 you with me on these two series two (laughs) most recent installments do you think it's actually two of the better ones do you think jason statham is our next rising comedic star (laughs) um it's funny how they it's like they're just collecting strays from each movie it's like who did we introduce in this last movie okay they're gonna just be part of the group in the next one and we don't even have to make any sense as to why they're just here and they're just gonna come with us and it's every movie it's like they're trying to outdo themselves with how many like new action stars or real life fighters or people can we bring in and just like throw into the cast but um yeah no eight is just is just a mess <laughs> like in so many ways the like the story is just the plot is just weird like the decisions that they make and i don't know like again tonally it's like they're trying to go back to being brooding but at the same time also keeping with like the fun over the top ridiculous you know <laughs> um breaking the law of physics every five minutes but it it just doesn't mesh and and, the, and you're right like the the new additions and um what did you call scotty's hood the <laughs> yeah, human log <laughs> i love that um yeah apologies to scott eastwood i'm sure he is a very nice person from what i've heard in real life right. but just like does nothing to me as like a person in the movies apologies to scott eastwood <laughs> Luke is famous black. son of a very famous movie star and director i'm sure he's fine <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure he's 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 gonna make it. He's gonna be okay. Um, but yeah, I just think it's a mess. And honestly, I you know just rewatched it. And it's just uh, it just doesn't. None of the they don't go, and the and the story doesn't really work. And obviously, they have like every time they come out with a movie, it's like how can we up the last one? Like how can we, um, with you know the the stunts and everything like that? But it's still just it's one of the worst ones for me and i don't know why they decided to do hobbs and shaw i i don't know <laughs> i it's just i don't know um it, it's exactly what you said it's like oh this could be kind of funny and you know cool for a minute and then it's like five minutes later you're just like tired of it it's just not working and they're they're back and forth is just not cute anymore it's um I hope that they don't make another one. I don't know if, like, I read somewhere at one point that they might. I hope not. <laughs> like, I just, it was, those are two of the worst for me. And I know I, you know, said some bad stuff about the second one and the fourth, but those are two of the worst. 
Um, I'll put on the rose-colored glasses a bit and say some nice <laughs> things about them. Um, I agree they're not the best in the series. Um, I do, I think, like Fate of the Furious, it sounds like a bit more than you two. Um, I will say, I do think it has one of the best single shots in the entire series, which is what I refer to as the raining car shot. I think that is where they've Cypher has um, taken all the cars and like controlled them remotely, and she basically just starts shooting them out of buildings, and they start raining <laughs> down on them as they're doing. It. I think that is a really cool, striking shot right there. It, as as a as a shot in a film, I think that is probably one of the best things that they've done in the series. So I'll give that to Fate of the Furious. Um, Scott Eastwood, I thought your big your big wind up there was to get to how bad Scott Eastwood was. I just kept waiting <laughs> for you to be like, okay, get okay. The group doesn't work because you've introduced Scott Eastwood and he does nothing, <laughs> and that is correct. Um, however, I do I do like the raining cars bit. I do like the Hobbs and Shaw breaking out of prison sequence in that movie. I think there's some nice moments in Fate of the Furious that makes it eh, okay. Um, I do also think that particularly when you get to seven is when the series turns kind of thematically of, you know, I'm coming from the perspective of viewing this series very much as a critique of masculinity. Seven is when you start basically letting these guys actually grow into adult characters. Before that, they were very juvenile men. At seven, it really becomes as cliched as it is because they keep saying, "We're it's about family, it's about family, it's about family. At seven, it really does become a series about how to be a father and how that comp- complicates your responsibilities to the people that you are in a real or found family. Um, as you start basically building up all of these people that you have responsibilities for, how do you balance it? Is what I think the series essentially becomes about uh, at least the core saga. Let's leave out Hobbs and Shaw out of that. Um, once you get to seven and on. And I think Fate of the Furious becomes very overtly about that since the storyline is basically about Dom finding out that he is a kid. Um, so yes, it's still all very operatic, but that's essentially what it's about. And I enjoy that it is so kind of narrowed in and focused on that. Um, for Hobbs and Shaw, yeah, it's basically a comedy. It's a throwaway comedy. I don't think too much about it. I do think it fits in with the idea that you basically have these two guys in Hobbs and Shaw in Dwayne Johnson as this huge bulking guy versus, uh, Deckard Shaw, I think is his first name, since there's so many Shaws in this series. It's so confusing that everyone refers to him as Shaw. It's like, there's like five characters in that family with that last name. Why do we only refer to this one guy as Shaw? Anyway. Because um, it's cooler. I know. That's why. <laughs> it's cooler, <laughs> And he's Jason Stead. <laughs> yeah. But he's sort of, I, I think the way they've always positioned those two and why they have kind of a funny antagonistic relationship in smaller doses is because The Rock is one form of kind of uh, held up masculinity and Jason Statham is a very different one, a much more suave one and a much more sophisticated one. And I do think that joke plays well. And I do think that movie is more carried by Vanessa Kirby, who is just a flat out mm. movie star in everything she does. I love her yep. addition in anything. So kind mm-hmm. of between those little tidbits, I can watch this movie and it's fine as a throwaway comedy. I kind of yeah. just remember sitting in the movie theater being like, I don't know, are they going to kiss already? Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, I think in theory it works more than it does in practice because I think, and you know, I love that you're breaking down the masculinity of all this um, and also good props to Vanessa Kirby. But I, I, I do think that like in in theory that the matchup, the, the duo, it works. I just think it gets tiresome. You know, it doesn't, they don't have the continued, maybe it's just 
it together there comedically. They don't fit. I don't know. Um, I'm not sure Statham really ever will as like a comedic actor. Did you I see? Mean, he has this, have you seen Spy? Because I think he's quite good in that, making fun of his persona. It's true. That's the yes. Melissa McCarthy I'd, movie. I'd, ag- I'd agree with, with him yeah. in that. I forgot he's in that. <laughs> yeah, he's so, oh, so he's overtly making fun of himself in that movie. Yes. That's his whole point. Right. He, I thought he does If he quite does well. that, yes. <laughs> yes, he can do that. Um, just like Dwayne can in, in some things. I don't know. They just together, it didn't mesh that well. It didn't stick. So... Emily, you and I have seen the newest film, F9, or more more specifically, F9, The Fast Saga, I believe it is called. Um, not I guess the first I... movie, not the first movie in the series and not be able to decide what the title of the movie is. Because if I, when I was I, rewatching I just love this, the I was creativity of the names. <laughs> but I know. But so like Fast and Furious Six, that is the main title of it. But if you watch the movie, its title card says Furious Six. It's not That's the correct true. title card. <laughs> Doesn't so even know. These, yeah, none of these series can decide what its title is. Uh, and then they try to be cool with Fate of the Furious, like F eight Fate. They try to be oh all small. <laughs> Did you just realize that? I Jeff? just realized. I mean, I was like, r- like renting these on Amazon, so like I totally like did not even like look at the poster to make that that that. Uh, that They're so uh, clever. Yeah. They're just the. <laughs> so someone needs a raise there. So, Emily. I'm yes, curious. I haven't seen this new one, but it's yeah. okay. I think I'll be all right if I get something. Spoiled. I think anything that would be considered spoilers has already just kind of been spoiled in the the, the previews for this. So I, you know, I won't. I don't think we need to get into too nitty gritty of details, but I I think we can kind of you know safely talk about this without you know ruining a potential night out at the movies for for christy um christy Im- this this movie is about family i don't want to spoil it for oh, you but it's that, about that's family. true oh okay well, it's funny you should mention that it's about family because my kind of immediate reaction after seeing this is i think for better and for worse this is the biggest installment of the fast and furious franchise biggest in terms of this is the biggest the set pieces have ever been it is the by far the longest of any of these movies. It's almost two and a half hours long. It has got way more plot and way more callbacks to other movies than I think any other installment of this series. As well as, there's more family. Because we get the They have to outdo of, themselves in every movie. That's There why. is literally a new member of the Toretto family in John Cena. So there, there is literally more family to this series. Um... I, I was a bit mixed on it. I think there are some moments, particularly there is like a, a climactic sequence involving magnets that is just like, I, I think up there with like the bank vault in, in five and the like Dubai sequence in seven is just like one of my favorite set pieces in any of these movies. Um, I, I did, I, I kind of just couldn't help but think of how... Slightly, I think, overcomplicated and overstuffed this movie is a little bit in just of sort of in the context of like, this is now a giant globe, global franchise that kind of needs to check all the boxes and connect all the dots and like make itself sort of re-engineer itself to be this sort of like giant multiverse sort of uh, big event movie in a way that kind of felt a little 
I don't know. It felt a little forceful in this as well as just the bizarre decision that I kind of hinted at earlier of uh, there is so much of this movie that is about this kind of like brotherly regret and turmoil within Vin Diesel about his brother played by John Cena, who I actually think is a little underused in this movie. And I was a little disappointed there. There isn't more of his kind of like fun winking charm that he normally brings. Um, and yeah, there's a kind of weird, like Godfather two sort of like back and forth between there. There's a large chunk of this movie that is like extended flashbacks to like young Dom and young, um, Emily, can you remember the name of the brother? I cannot remember him. Jacob. Yes. Young, like Dom and young Jacob. Um, it's, it's just, I guess where I'm getting at is for better and for worse, it is a lot of movie. And uh, I think in terms of like the set pieces and the action sequences, it's really, really fun. But there was also several instances where I was like, oh, wow. Like we are like, we're not wrapping things up. We are just sort of like turning the corner to a whole other like fifth act or like, wait, th- this movie just has like an insane amount of plot and like balls it is trying to juggle in the air. So um, I'm I'm curious, having like binged a bunch of these, Emily, what your thoughts were on it. I mean, I do think I'm going to be a little more prone to liking this because it is only the second one that I saw in theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, I had previously seen Furious 7 just because, because of the troubles of that production. I was very curious and that was the only one I had checked into at the time of its release. And also, obviously, this is one of the first movies that I saw back in theaters after a year and a half, which always mm-hmm. makes it a little novel and even more fun. Um, so I do, I, I can't say for sure whether F9 is the like most cinematic or theatrical, because I can't really compare it in the same way as maybe other people who have seen a lot of these in the theaters have. But I was definitely struck um, by the fact that it was too long. There was definitely a middle section that dragged And they're definitely trying to start bringing in characters that have appeared in the series in the past. And I was like, oh, they've they've committed a very common problem of splitting up all your main characters to go visit all these people. And then you're just cutting back and forth between them. And that just drags in the middle section. It's Mm -hmm. something that many, many movies have made that mistake of doing. Um, And the ending isn't as big as it needs to be. I think it's better in its earlier action scenes than in its last action scene. Um, I agree with you. The magnet thing is great. I think it's a highlight of the series as well. I would also add in that I think in early, basically kind of throwback jungle chase in which it is much more just like them in cars and vehicles, I thought was done so well as a nice throwback. It was, I I really loved that sequence in particular and how long they were able to drag that out. Um, Yeah, I think you can definitely feel because it's notable this is justin lynn returning to direct this one and justin lynn directed three through six and i think really has an understanding not just of these characters but of how to you know stage these vehicular action sequences and i think even having like revisited eight most recently this just felt like someone who had a much clearer understanding on how to stage these kind of like like you said big operatic action sequences with all these various vehicles weaving in and out of each other and have it feel kind of like grand and cinematic, not just sort of like overstuffed pixels on a screen, if that makes any sense. (laughs) 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that's kind of the appeal of that initial opening to me is that they were able to do a lot more practical things, I think, because it was mostly just cars racing around with each other with a couple of explosions. There wasn't a whole lot of extra fancy stuff thrown in. I do think practical effects are almost always still at this point going to look better than a lot of CGI stuff. So, I mean, John Cena is flat in the movie. He, I don't know. I, I've never gotten the appeal of John Cena as a performer. I don't think he's particularly funny. I don't think he fits in with what the series is doing. I think he's playing it way too straight. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of like the problems of when Dwayne Johnson first entered the series. I think he has a lot of the same problems as Johnson did in five. Um, I will say um, I do have a soft spot for all the backstory. I thought that filled out things very nicely. Maybe having mm-hmm. just condensely watched all this, kind of being more invested in an actually being able to keep track of the plot line versus I think a lot of people probably don't remember what's happened as a backstory um, that right. kind of hits on a lot of stuff from very early in the series um, and fills that out very nicely. And I will say just to be as vague as possible, the last shot I found very emotionally affecting. And I know I've heard from some people that they hate that last shot, but I, I found that it worked quite nicely. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily mind that. That's interesting that some people don't like it. Yeah, I was I was more sort of uh, losing interest, kind of what you said in that that middle of sort of like you have this group of people who work really well together, and you're just going to kind of like split them up. Um, Christy, I would say uh, rewatch Tokyo Drift before you see this new one. There's Ooh, probably more Tokyo Drift callbacks than you you thought possible, um, and. There, there is Emily. How much of a spoiler would you say there is a another kind of ending set piece revolving around something fans have been wanting to happen in this series before? Um, that is is big and over the top, and I thought kind of underwhelming in the way it was staged from kind of what I I sort of hoped this series would go to. I'm sort of dancing around it. I don't. Yeah, know I how think much for Christie's sake, we and for. I think for Christy's sake and for people who haven't seen it, because it will only have been out for like a, a weekend, don't get into that, maybe. But yeah, I understand what you mean. <laughs> like, yes. Kind of how I was dancing around the last shot. I was like, if you've seen it, you'll know the last shot that I mean, but uh, that won't give anything away besides, hey, guess what? The ending is a little emotional, which if you've seen a movie, maybe guess that. Right. Since I haven't seen it, I'm just going to have my take on your two takes <laughs> and, <laughs> and say I'm super want- intrigued by the magnets. I just want to know what, what's happening with the magnets. Yeah, I don't even um, get, want to get into what's so great about the magnet because it's a really nice twist on most of their action pieces, I think. And it's a very small twist, but it added so much fun to it is all I'll say. Yeah. And I'm surprised that you wanted more Cena because I've never really heard that. And I wouldn't really, I don't really know if I believe it. Um, But I'm excited that there's some good like practical racing because I love that. I mean, I I really like it when they don't go over the top. I think practical effects are always the best. I'm not surprised that it goes bigger because every one of these movies, I feel like it's longer. They add more cast. They try to outdo themselves. And I think that in some ways it's like, we know it's going to happen and we're like, okay, yeah. All right. But then, like you said, with so many people, I think you should stick to that core group because I just think every time you add more people and spend more time on other things, it just lessens the impact. So, yeah, that's that's my my take on it. <laughs> I haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, I would I would say I I would maybe be curious as to whether or not I I I almost hope that they kind of if they keep making these they sort of maybe scale back a little bit. I think this one gets into like I said the magnet scene 
is awesome. I cannot understate that. And I think people like longing for a kind of big screen spectacle um, will, you know, feel like they got their money's worth out of that sequence alone. Um, But I, I do almost wonder if maybe this franchise should scale back a little bit of the, this one almost goes literally in some ways to such heights that uh, I don't really know, uh, know how much bigger we can go without, you know, this maybe feeling uh, a little bit bloated. And I don't mean bigger necessarily in the, you know, the size of the set pieces. I just mean the sort of uh, grandeur. Everything. Yeah. Everything (laughs) that is sort of like, let's tie in everything that's ever been in these movies into kind of one thing uh maybe you know if we did just like a heist again i think that'd be really fun i will say kind of just um as a as a bit of a critique to what f9 is doing yes they're bringing back a lot of characters they are very heavy on bringing back the guys and not the girls and just as a series overall Mm -hmm. issue like they're really bad at just thinking you're really nostalgic for all these guys and it's like i like some of the female characters too you can bring them back some And I so you were missing say, Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot is the only one I find not bringing back. <laughs> I, I I was thinking like you know uh, like I would like to see. <laughs> I know our kind of negative appeal- opinions about Too Fast Too Furious, but I'd kind of like to see Eva Mendez or Devin Anoki, An- Aoki like come back to this franchise. I think both of them have retired from acting, but like. Come on, like go, come back for one movie. I know. I really want Suki to come back, particularly Suki, who is Devin Aoki's character. Um, I, I again, like they have an issue with both building out female characters and actually thinking you're invested in them. Uh, but the mm-hmm. last note I'll kind of say, kind of related to that, because we haven't actually mentioned her yet. Uh, I do really love the addition from Seven on of the character of Ramsey. I think that character mm. is adds a really funny dynamic to the group. Yeah, and 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 I think actually of all the cast, like Michelle Rodriguez is the one that I think really shines the most in in this movie in particular, and you know would would be fine if if there's a moment where you know Vin Diesel maybe can't be in these movies anymore. I don't know that that I'm sure he will be in these movies until he is 83 years old, if not older. But um, you know, I'm I'm almost to the point of like Michelle Rodriguez. I'm like more excited to watch in these movies than even he is well emily christy thank you for for taking this ride with us <laughs> don't ever forget that it's it's all about family um enjoy your evenings crack open a corona bottle i don't know how many more of these these, these puns can, can i come up with? Uh, don't be a buster 